0: It's time for the Everyday Spaces podcast, where together we are learning what it looks like to say yes to Jesus right where we're planted. God is in the process of making all things new, and that means right here and right now, particularly in the middle of full time jobs, raising kids, grabbing groceries, and yes, friends, even mowing your lawn. I'm your host, Matt Berry, and I'm so excited. Be kicking off this first episode with you today. We're going to be talking about faithful presence and what that looks like. You know, I want to begin by telling you a story. Several years ago, my wife and I moved from the southern suburbs of the Minneapolis uh, Twin Cities area into St. Paul. We moved into the east side of St. Paul into a very urban setting. It was quite a bit of a culture shock to us, but we were just so thankful. We wanted to buy a house, and we had just sort of uh, come out of the economic collapse of 2008. It was probably around uh, 2000 uh, 11, somewhere in there, we had saved up enough money, not a lot, but enough that we could, uh, buy a house, a, a very old house in St. Paul and, uh, and move in there and, and fix it up. And so we did that. We, we moved our family from, uh um, Bloomington to the East side of St. Paul. We took our two boys with us who were really young at the time. And so we got settled and we were doing some work in the house and we were working outside. There was a lot of deferred maintenance and we were taking this space that was rundown and um, not so beautiful. And we were creating beauty there. And boy, there's like a lot of analogies right there I could go with, but Keeping on course, so we're creating beauty in this place, and we start looking outside our windows at the end of the day, and we notice that there's this building right next to us. Uh, it's literally right on the corner of Nevada Avenue and Payne Avenue, and this building used to be a general store with several um, small shops at the bottom, and then up above, I think on levels two and three, it was probably living quarters, and. At some point, somebody bought the building and converted it into low income uh, apartments. And, you know, we were talking to some of the people in these apartments, and they had mentioned, one of the guys said, you know, listen, Matt, the people who live here live here because they can't live anywhere else. And I got to be honest, that was like really eye opening for me, having moved from. Uh, Bloomington having been raised, you know, sort of in an environment of, of privilege and uh, in, and to be exposed to that. And, and I think, you know, we have since moved out of St. Paul into um, more of a rural community and sort of Northwest of the twin cities in big Lake. And, you know, one of the things that was so apparent to me when we lived in St. Paul was the, the economic need and the and the brokenness, um, the, the 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 societal problems that are quite honestly everywhere. Whether you're living in the suburbs or a rural community or the inner city, the problems are still there because they're people problems. They're not um, location problems. However, they were so visible to us in St. Paul. That was something new. You know, we could look outside of our window and see uh, people who were struggling with drug addiction. Uh, we, we could see, you know, the effects of alcoholism and, and just broken homes. It was, it was heartbreaking, but my God, what an opportunity there was right in front of us. And so my wife and I decided, you know, we really want to reach out to our neighbors. We want to do something to love them. You know, we, we didn't have all the language, uh, perhaps that we have now, but back then we were guided by just this very simple command to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. And, um, you know, first of all, you think about, well, boy, do I, do I actually love myself? I mean, I think there's a lot of us out there who, who struggle with loving ourselves. But, you know, I digress. To go beyond that, loving your neighbor as you love yourself. um, Loving your neighbor, right? Simple. Not so easy, right? Um, It can be a little difficult. Well, what do I do? You know, I think we would all agree that loving your neighbor is a good thing, but how do we do it? And, you know, so we, We began praying and asking one another, brainstorming, what can we do to love our neighbors? And we are coming up on Thanksgiving. And so one of us had this idea well, why don't we make like a really nice meal and invite people over just to have a meal with us? Right. So we did that and, you know, made some extra food. I'm sure my wife made a pie or something. She's an amazing cook. And we went over to this building and knocked on some doors. I forget if we knocked on doors or if we left a piece of paper, but I think we honestly, knowing us, we probably did both. Uh, And so the, the evening came and uh, I think it was like three or four guys from that, uh, that apartment building showed up at our house. And at first, you know, I could see when they came, they were feeling a little uncomfortable. Like this is weird. Uh, They probably hadn't been invited into uh, anyone's house uh, for a while. And that is in no way a pat on uh, us, me giving a pat on my back. Cause I have to be honest, we don't often get invited over to other people's houses. So I think, I think there's actually a problem in our society where we're, we're pretty isolated and we don't have those backyard barbecues, like perhaps, you know, your parents or my parents had growing up. There's not, there's really a breakdown in community. People are more isolated than ever. So when you invite them over to eat, boy, it can seem so weird. So they came and sat down and I have to say the first thing I noticed was that these guys were voraciously hungry. They just couldn't get enough of the food. Uh, We had made Uh, like a double batch of mashed potatoes and they, they cleaned it out. Now guys, I mean like one of the guys had like three or four, like literally almost like a full plate of mashed potatoes. I have no idea where he put that food, but here's the thing. Like they left and I was so critical of myself. I was like, Oh my word, I wanted to show these guys love. And I didn't even have an opportunity to tell them about Jesus. I barely even prayed a prayer, you know, that was good enough. And I'm just, just being really critical of myself. And my wife comes in and says, well, babe, like these guys encountered God's love. Like, isn't that enough? Isn't that enough for us to create a place for them to come and encounter God's love? And that, my friends, my wife is brilliant, and I don't know if she knew how brilliant she was in that moment, but since then, she has um, sort of changed the vocabulary that I even use when it comes to reaching out to neighbors and just loving people, and it's this idea of creating a safe space for other people to inhabit, And as followers of Jesus, I think that is one of the greatest gifts we can give to the world, to our neighbors, is loving them, guys, with no strings attached, just loving them for the sake of love, loving them as people, knowing that each of them has a story that's worth sharing. They have dignity and honor, and we can recognize that. And we can create a safe environment through which they can encounter the presence of God. And that's sort of where I was getting to, this concept of of presence. So towards the end of last year, I uh, purchased a book. I have a friend down in Texas who every time I talk to him, he recommends another book to me, which... I have sort of this love hate thing going on with him in that regard, because I love all the suggestions that he gives, but sort of in the negative, I I keep accumulating more and more books. And as a uh, full-time married father of four boys, I don't have a lot of margins in my life to do a ton of extra reading. But when I do get to reading the books that he recommends are really good. And so this book uh, is called faithful presence here. Let me, uh, let me get to the the actual subtitle. So it's Faithful Presence, Seven Disciplines That Shape the Church for Mission by David Fitch. Now, David Fitch is both a pastor and a professor who lives in the, I believe, in the suburbs of Chicago. Um, I may be wrong on the suburbs, but I know he lives in the Chicago area. Anyway, so he wrote this book, and I just um, just voraciously consumed it like those guys eating the mashed potatoes at our old house in St. Paul. And there's something I want to read for you here that I think is really good and is appropriate for this conversation. David Fitch writes in the introduction, faithful presence names the reality that God is present in the world and that he uses a people faithful to his presence to make himself concrete and real Amid the world's struggles and pain. When the church is this faithful presence, God's kingdom becomes visible and the world is invited to join with God. Faithful presence is not only essential for our lives as Christians, it's how God has chosen to change the world. Let me read that last sentence so it can sink in. Faithful presence is not only essential for our lives as Christians, it's how God has chosen. To change the world. God changes the world through his presence. And most notably, and and Fitch gets to this in his book, he changes the world through his people who host his presence and create pockets of encounter for others to encounter who he is. It's the kingdom becoming visible. Now, for those of you who hear kingdom, you might be thinking, what, what is he talking about? Um, the kingdom, the kingdom. Oh boy, this is so weird. I don't know if I introduced myself. I just hopped into the podcast and now I'm double, double guessing myself. Did I ever introduce myself? Okay. My name is Matt Berry guys. Um, I think this is a repeat. Oh my gosh. I'm so, so embarrassed about this. Not really, but sort of like the, the the type A personality in me, the Enneagram one is sort of freaking out because I'm already 12 minutes into this recording and part of me is going to want to go back and change it, but I'm not, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to press on friends. We we're talking about kingdom, right? What is the kingdom? So we, you know, if, if you're in America, you know, we, you like me, we're not used to this term kingdom. Like what, what guys, like, what does that even mean? So, the kingdom is not only heaven in our in our cultural understanding Christian culture or let let's just say secular culture that has effects of Christianity that has really been waning, but there's still some vestiges of it. Secular culture has this idea that heaven is like this level of clouds in the atmosphere where you know, if you've done enough good, you go there. You get wings and a harp, and you just sort of sit and like play songs and um, have a good time for eternity. The Bible paints a completely different picture of what heaven is, in particular, what the kingdom of heaven is. Now, I'm not going to go through all the verses right now, but I'll just give you a brief summary. You'll have to take my word for it, or better yet, you can search it out in the scriptures for yourself. But heaven is the place where God dwells and a day is coming when we not so much will go to heaven as a final destination, but ultimately God will come and dwell with us on earth and heaven will come to earth. But this concept of the kingdom of heaven is so much more than the idea of what's going to happen in the, in the future. It's a reality that we can enter into today. When Jesus was on earth in the gospels, many times he referred to the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. And he would use all of these parables, these stories to describe what the kingdom is like. He would say the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. The kingdom of God is like a king prepares a wedding for his son, the kingdom of God, and he would teach on the kingdom. And by this, Jesus was teaching on a new reality that people could enter into a new form of existence that had come and would increase and would eventually take over the existence that exists now the one that's occupied by sin and brokenness and injustice, God's kingdom coming when God's kingdom comes, things operate differently. And so when David Fitch is writing about faithful presence, I think in terms of God's kingdom, when God's kingdom comes, people encounter the God of the kingdom. They encounter the King. And when we made that meal in St. Paul, it wasn't really that hard. We bought an extra bag of potatoes. We made an extra pie. Probably the hardest thing was like actually getting out of our house and going next door and knocking on a door, which guys, we just need to get more bold, whether you're a Christian or not. We just need to get more bold and reaching out to our neighbors and taking an interest, you know, put your phone down and, go and knock on a door, you know, follow what the Mormons and the JWs do. No, not really. Don't follow their example, but Hey, they get out and knock on a lot of doors. You should get out and get to know your neighbors and invite them over for a meal. And, you know, just create a space where they can belong, create a space where they can feel loved and create a space where perhaps for a moment in between eating plates of mashed potatoes. They sense love. They sense God's kindness. They sense something different about the environment. And that's what it looks like for Christians to be a faithful presence. I'm convinced that following Jesus is less about doing epic things for him every so often. It's about doing simple things every day, Consistent things, hidden things for him in celebrating the small things when we see it happen. Before we go, I want to read one more quote from this book. Such a wonderful book. Maybe one day I'll have a chance to meet David Fitch and shake his hand. But here it is in chapter one. He says at the very beginning, For most Christians in the West, God is an individual belief, a personal relationship, a private experience, something we fit in between all the other things in our lives. So true. We are so, so busy. He goes on to say, The notion that we can be present to God and He to us is not on the horizon of our awareness. We do not imagine that God is present outside of me or between me, the other person I'm with, that he will confront me in the middle of my world if I will open myself up to him. Wow. This is so spot on. We have this, this presupposition that God is not present. And what is heartbreaking is this I have seen, especially inside of church culture. We can have this idea that God is only present when we go to a special building on a special day and wear special clothes, maybe not so much anymore, but as a kid, you know, you always got dressed up, um, special clothes and sing special songs. And then God will be present guys. God is present everywhere. He is already at work in your neighborhood. He's at work in your neighbors' lives. He's working your life and chances are you're just completely unaware of it. He's beyond the horizon of your uh, beyond the horizon of your awareness as uh, as David Fitch says. But may God give us grace to start believing that he's present among us outside of your head. Or your heart. He is between you and the other people in your home and in your neighborhood. And guys, if you will create the space for God to speak to you, if you create the space to host your neighbors for a meal, you will discover his presence in a new way. And you'll find perhaps that uh, a whole world of mission opens up to you. So that is it for our first podcast Thank you for joining. Here we go. You know, it's a wrap. This has been the Everyday Spaces podcast with Matt and Elisa Berry. If you enjoyed the show, make sure to subscribe. And if you'd be so kind, leave us a review. You can check out the website of our missional community, JesusFollowing.com, for more information on what we're doing up in Minnesota. Signing off for now.